Welcome to By the Glass, a podcast dedicated to boozy beverages and the people who make and drink them. I'm your host, Chris Paloyan. Most of us had domestic or international trips canceled in the past seven months. A big part of traveling, regardless of where you go, is exploring the local cuisine. Whether that's a hot new hole in the wall in a hip neighborhood or a venerable restaurant in the heart of the city. And then there's all those like tried and true spots. Like whenever I'm in Boston, I always make it to Neptune Oyster. And no trip to New Orleans would be complete for me without going to Bacchanal. And when it comes to international travel, I feel like, you know, the food side of things, the drinking, the eating, like that's all especially true. Like my trip to Japan in February was basically one extended bar crawl punctuated by ramen, sushi, and okonomiyaki. So food and wine is really important to travel. Um, And no one knows that more than Kristen Sandvig. Kristen worked in wine before she started a luxury travel company called Lionhound and specifically works to create customized itineraries for her clients. Kristen also created a virtual wine tasting series called Talk, Taste, Travel that features popular as well as off-the-beaten-track wine destinations. So for this episode, I figured it would be fun for us to sit down and talk about the intersection of food, wine, and travel, as well as the current state of tourism. So, um, I was going to make a dumb Anthony Bourdain, no reservations, parts unknown, travelogue joke, but uh, that would have been dumb, so we'll just jump right in. Kristen, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Thanks I'm, for having me. Yeah, good to see you. I know you've been traveling a little bit. When we spoke last week, you were in Vermont, right? But you're in Colorado now. I was. I was in Vermont. Yep. My parents uh, spend the summers and the falls up there, and mm-hmm. I hadn't had a chance to visit yet this year because of everything going on. So planned a last minute trip up there to spend some time with them before they head back to Texas. And then Mm -hmm. uh, my husband's birthday was actually last night. So we took our dogs with us and road tripped up to Colorado. Uh, So yeah, it's been super fun. It's beautiful here. I'm in snowmass right now and the leaves have changed and it's cool and crisp and sunny and absolutely beautiful. You've got that fall foliage going in full swing. I feel like I'm just missing it. I barely mm. missed peak season in Vermont. And mm-hmm. here, the mountains are starting to look a little barren in snowmass. But when we were coming up here through Vail, which is where we're going this weekend, uh, it looked like everything was still really beautiful over really? there. So hopefully, uh, we'll get to see a little bit of the trees and yeah. take some photos and everything before it all disappears. So in Vail, I... They they wouldn't have snow on the ground by this point, right? Or do they? So there is some snow on the ground. Um, mm. Not currently here where I am, but we uh, spent the last the night before last night in Colorado Springs and uh, driving to Snowmass and Aspen. We went through Breckenridge and there mm-hmm. was snow in Breckenridge. It was our dogs' second time seeing snow, so they were like, "What." is this, this is, <laughs> that's pretty so awesome it's, it's perfect it's it's cold and it's wet but it doesn't stick to us and so they were super into that and uh that's i think we'll cool. have once we start doing some of the hikes we should there should be some snow on the trails but it isn't really staying very long it kind of melts yeah. in the day and what bottle of wine did you pop for your uh hubby's uh birthday what was the birthday bottle 
We didn't open any. Uh, wow. We actually, we, we did cocktails instead. He is a whiskey person. So I okay. had talked to the resort beforehand and we set up the room and we had a couple of old fashions. Yeah, he had his cocktails waiting with his, his favorite whiskey. And so that's what we did last night. Uh, and we knew that today we were going to be drinking wine for talk, taste and travel. So figured we'd switch it up a little bit. There we go. Fun. Well, I do know that like tourism related to like the bourbon trail, um, like traveling to Kentucky, uh, visiting different distillers. That's definitely a thing that I've seen people in Houston do. I know Houstonians that have gone and spent time there and then going to Scotland and checking out different distilleries. Uh, uh, you can definitely make an entire destination out of going to either of those places and just visiting a bunch of different distilleries as you go. Yeah. And that's something that I think is super cool because so many uh, spirits have unique origin stories as well. And <laughs> I've done a lot of travel for clients in Scotland, sort of geared around scotch and uh, some of the uh, companies I work with there have very like specific itineraries uh, that can be customized to explore different um, parts of Scotland based on what their interests are, based on what scotch they like and how in-depth they want it to be. Uh, but until this year, I didn't really do a ton of domestic travel planning. I think many people from the United States feel a lot more comfortable planning travel on their own in the U.S. because they have friends that have went or they know something about it. They've got family in the area. And so it's not something that I just really marketed myself as doing in yeah. the past. But uh, the Bourbon Trail is definitely something that I know people do. And I uh, I don't know much about it yet. And so I'm kind of, one of the things that's been really cool with this Talk, Taste, and Travel show is it's allowed me to kind of stay on top of my game and to continue exploring new destinations mm -hmm. and learning about new places while I can't necessarily visit them firsthand. So yeah. uh I feel like I've, you know, I'm staying on top of my personal education with all of that. And uh, by kind of bringing spirits and wine into it, it uh, gives it a little bit more direction. How important is that when you're kind of like advising people on travel to have been to the place yourself versus like having researched it? Do, do you feel like it makes that much of a difference? Yes, I do. That mm -hmm. being said, one thing that is kind of unique about the modern travel advisor, or at least my company, Lionhound in particular, is we're not a typical travel agency. I don't do massive tours. Uh, I don't focus on cruises. I work with some cruise lines and I'm happy to book that stuff when my clients need it, but it's not really what I, uh, where, where I shine. What I really do is customized uh, concierge travel arrangements. So. Mm -hmm. I, we were kind of talking a little bit beforehand about how lots of people in our demographic tend to like the more DIY approach to, um, to trips. And I think that's very true. But I think people, one of the ways that I bring value is I work with people on the ground in those destinations. So if you're looking at a hotel, 
and you want to know, well, this five-star hotel is $500 a night, and the one you're telling me about is $1,500 a night, and they don't seem very far from each other. You have access to the same places. And what I know is the $500 a night one, uh, the bars and restaurants are closed because they're being renovated and there's construction going on from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. So yeah, mm -hmm. it's discounted, but your honeymoon is not going to be, it's gonna be interrupted by all of this stuff and you're not gonna be able to take advantage of the facilities at the, the property. Uh, and same thing with, touring i guess uh mm -hmm. i typically put people in touch with the with a guide in the destination who i pair with my clients based on what their interests are so right now obviously we're recording this in middle of october and international travel is still very much not occurring to the for the most part like there are very few countries where you as a u.s citizen can go um where where can people travel right now, um, internationally at least? If from the U.S., where can you go? So you can go to Mexico. Mm -hmm. You don't need any COVID testing uh, before you go. And the resorts are operating at 30% capacity. So everything feels awake but not crowded. Mm. Turkey doesn't have any requirements for Americans to enter. Uh, Croatia and Montenegro are allowing Americans to enter, but you do need a negative PCR test uh, 72 hours before arrival. And they've broken with the European Union on that to allow Americans in. Do you have uh, to fly directly into like Montenegro or? No, hmm. you can fly uh, as long as you're in, as long as you don't leave the airport, you can pass through uh, other European airports to get there. Um, and then once you've been in, so say you quarantine in Croatia for two weeks, then you might be able to travel to other countries within Europe if you have that freedom or flexibility. Yeah. And that gets a little bit <laughs> dicey. So that's not my professional recommendation yeah. or anything. Um, I've seen a lot of Houstonians go to Mexico, though. There's a lot of people yeah, checking yeah. out resorts. And we went there in, uh, we actually went to Cabo in August and it was really, really nice. It was hot, but yeah. it was really great. <laughs> and then many of the Caribbean islands are open. The Maldives, uh, French Polynesia. Most recently, uh, Costa Rica is opening to all Americans mm. on November 1st. Uh, I believe Colombia opened today. I just saw an email in my inbox. I haven't reviewed the requirements or anything yet, though. Um, and then lots of African countries in East Africa are starting to open. Morocco hmm. is open to Americans. Uh, Egypt is. Uh, Kenya, Rwanda, Tanzania. And all of these have their own COVID requirements before you travel. And they aren't as combinable as they used to be. Hmm. So, for example, I've got uh, a couple going on safari in Kenya next month. Originally, we were going to do Kenya and Tanzania, but there's political differences because of COVID happening between the two countries. So it's one mm -hmm. or the other. Um, hmm. I have a trip from this year rebooked for April where I'm going gorilla trekking in Rwanda. And mm -hmm. I'm excited that it seems like that's actually going to happen. And so places are starting to open to Americans again. There just are some COVID requirements necessary for different countries, which I think is where somebody like me or another travel advisor really can add a lot of value right now, making sure 
you meet the requirements so you're not turned away when you arrive in the country and making sure that once you're there, you've got the insurance necessary if you catch COVID or if your plans change because, because of it. Uh, if a country goes back into lockdown, you have someone like me who can get you back uh, when that's happening. I had clients traveling when the first lockdown happened in March and who I was sitting on the phone with United. Yeah, tell me about that. That sounds crazy. It was crazy. Um, It was March was the longest month of the year. (laughs) And I think everybody would agree with that, like across the world in 2020. Um, But I had some people traveling. I had lots of people set to travel. Um, As I mentioned, I do a lot of Africa. And then I was doing a lot of Australia and New Zealand. I lived in Australia briefly and know the country really well. And so those are some really popular destinations um, that I typically sell. And March was huge for all of them. I had people booked for Australia, South Africa, Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, New Zealand. And everybody was holding out that it was going to happen. And I think I had people scheduled to leave on like March 26th for South Africa. And on March 24th, they announced that they were closing the border. And same sort of thing with, uh, with Australia and New Zealand. It was just happening so quickly. And fortunately for those longer trips, I didn't have anybody over there. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was a bit of a scramble to get everything canceled and to fight for people to get their money back because all of these trips have been fully paid mm-hmm. and they're within their cancellation. I mean, but nobody kind of knows what to do because no one's ever dealt with anything like what's happening. And so um, fortunately I was either to get all of my clients trips moved to 2021 and most of their money back in their pocket. And so, and I think that is one thing, um, all of our partners have been really flexible because we're all navigating this together. All in it together, Um, right? We really are. Uh, And then I had a client who was actually in Mexico when the border closures happened and uh, sat on the phone with United um, and we were able to get her back Uh, I think I was talking to them on a Friday and we were able to get her back Saturday morning. Well, I'm sure you saw uh, the same thing I did about the guy that was stuck in Peru. You know, he had gone to visit Machu Picchu and has literally been there since March, like just got stuck in Peru this entire time. And the country just like, as like a consolation prize, like opened up Machu Picchu for just him before he like went home. Like he was finally able to go back and they're like, before you go, We'll give you a one-man tour of the entire thing. So she was wild. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's been a really crazy time. And uh, I think there are lots of people who decided to wait it out in places yeah. if they could and uh, got stuck in foreign countries <laughs> in lockdown. And um, so it was, it was definitely a challenge for everybody in our industry just – because it was something so new. And do you think that it still this, is something? Yeah. Do you think that this pandemic is going to make people, you know, not people, but do you think that like 
airline companies, hotels, do you think there's going to be a permanent infrastructural change in cancellation policies, insurance packages, you know, the types of hospitality they provide to people? Do you think that the pandemic is going to change that? 100%. It already has. Uh, United announced, I think a month ago, that they were permanently waiving cancellation and change fees for all domestic uh, flights. And then American and Delta announced that they were going to do the same. So, uh, and they each have different inclusions. Some of them include Mexico and Canada. Some include Hawaii. Uh, some include Alaska. So what domestic means is a little bit different depending on the airline. But for yeah. the most part, if you're traveling in the lower 48, uh, you could book a flight to you know, for, for next month and change your mind and get your money back. And I've seen that with my flights where mm -hmm. uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, wow, I have, uh, I have so much air credit that I can use for like for a long time. You're just swimming had, in credit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, cause in April I had, uh, I was going to be in South America and Rwanda. And so mm -hmm. I had all of these trips booked. And so I just got a bunch of flight credit back. And I still have that, but some of the other trips we had to book and then un and then cancel, uh, we've been able to get the we've been able to get uh, flight credit back for all of that. So that's one thing that's big with the airlines. Um, after I think it was after 9/11, many ho or after 2008, one of those big events in our lifetime, uh, people wanted more flexible booking policies. So I think it was in 2008 where as a response to that financial crisis, to get people to book travel, hotels started doing the 24-hour cancellation policy. And you just need a credit card on file to book. You, they don't charge it until you arrive. And that was a big changer that helped uh, people get confident in putting money down or in, in planning travel without necessarily having that financial commitment if, mm -hmm. you know, the stock market turns again. Yeah. And I think we're seeing increasingly flexible cancellation policies, even with um, high dollar destinations and peak periods. Uh, we call Thanksgiving, Christmas and New Year's festive season and festive bookings can have, you know, 90 day non-refundable cancellation policies. And now we're seeing some properties doing 24 hours, not having minimums, doing 14 days, having these really just flexible policies so that people feel confident traveling. Yeah. And with the COVID requirements to enter lots of these countries as well, uh, some of the places that are open for tourism in the Caribbean specifically have been COVID free since May or so. And having these entry requirements keeps their people safe mm -hmm. and also gives travelers the confidence to be there and know that they don't have to worry about catching it from somebody on the island. Totally. And, um, and I can see that happening. I, I can see as we shift towards the way things are, at least in the short term. And by short term, I mean the next year and a half. Mm -hmm. Not like <laughs> the end of 2020. Yeah. I think the recovery is going to be a lot longer than uh, people anticipate. And um, 
I can see COVID tests being a requirement for those countries that have eliminated it and who want to open for tourism, but also don't want to shut down or go into lockdown and want to ensure the health and safety of their own people. You know, we've talked a lot about international travel, but domestic travel, everyone that I've talked to in places like Colorado, where you are now, as well as not the Pacific Northwest in the past like month or two when it's been all on fire. But um, prior to that, I mean, it was a very busy tourist season for the summer when people wanted to rent RVs and travel with their family, go on road trips, right? Um, Have you been doing a lot of those bookings or have you seen just like anecdotal evidence of people just traveling all over the place within the States? Yeah, I have done some of that. Uh, I think in the past couple of weeks, my business for more complicated domestic itineraries has started picking up again, which Mm -hmm. I love. Um, And I think, well, I know lots of hotels in the United States have had record breaking years this year because everybody is staying in the country. Mm -hmm. You do have lots of those road trips and people want to get out. They want to be in open spaces. Cities aren't very popular, but uh, I went Mm -hmm. to Jackson Hole and Grand Teton and Yellowstone in um, September. And our guide in Yellowstone said this was the day we were there. It was a Saturday over Labor Day weekend was the busiest day he had ever seen in the national park. Mm. And which was, I mean, it was very crowded, but we had like our private vehicle. Everyone was wearing masks, even outside when you're close to people, you keep your mask on uh, because I know the instances of COVID outside aren't as, aren't the same as they are inside, but when you're, you know, hiking along a trail and breathing really heavily, it's courteous to kind of keep your mask on when passing people. Mm -hmm. But um, I know the hotels that I met with in Jackson Hole said they were having record breaking years. Uh, Same in Santa Fe, same in Colorado. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's been a great year for domestic travel. Uh, But these hotels have also had the challenge of navigating COVID while experiencing these record years. So keeping people so they've been working to make people feel safe, even while they're having more crowds than usual. Yeah. And I think that's uh, that's been a challenge um, that they've gladly taken on. And I think many of them have done a really great job just with their response and making people yeah. feel safe. And, well, especially um, when you're in a place that has good weather. I'm thinking of spots like El Cosmico in Marfa you know, or other areas where maybe it's a campgrounds per se, but there are, you know, yurts or there are, you know, airstreams that you can rent, you know, if you're able to have some sort of like outdoor environment for people, it it works during the summer when the weather's really good. And it's kind of like um, pandemic proof, right? If it's all individual kind of like units that are all outside. Yeah, I think, I mean, I don't want to say pandemic proof, but I think people feel a lot more comfortable knowing that they have their own private space and that other people aren't coming in and out. Mm -hmm. And that's become a much more popular way to uh, see the country this year. Um, Totally. Well, let's talk a little bit about talk, taste and travel, which is something that you do kind of in conjunction with your work at Lionhound. It's a virtual tasting that you put on 
where you're combining a travel destination with the wine from that place, right? Yeah, we started Talk, Taste, and Travel in mid-April. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do with that was find a way to stay in touch with people and to keep people feeling inspired about the future and about bucket list destinations and places they could go while they were stuck at home. Mm-hmm. And I also want I, I wanted to bring value to people. And I called Adele from 13 Celsius and was like, I have this idea. Tell me what you think. And at that point, all the bars and restaurants had been shut down. I know 13 had pivoted to retail sales. Mm -hmm. And before I was in travel, I was in wine. Uh, I worked for Vino Vero, which was a small local importer. Before that, I worked for 13. Uh, Before that, I worked for another wine company in Houston. And so I was... uh, I was in the wine industry for seven years before I pivoted into travel. So that was always something that was really important to me, something I knew, something that I thought was exciting. And I wanted to find a way to support 13, but also mm-hmm. uh, feature wines that typically relied on restaurant repre- representation. And uh, because retail sales were exploding at that time, uh, but all of these small mom and pop wineries just weren't getting the exposure they typically did when people would, you know, order them while they were going out to eat. And so that's what we started focusing on. And the first few weeks of doing it, we had like between five and seven people uh, showing up on Mm -hmm. it. And, but people kept coming back. And so we kept evolving and both of us started marketing it more and it turned into this weekly show that we put a lot of work into and uh, take people on trips around the world. And so the whole philosophy behind it is exploring the world through the lens of wine and making these wine regions that you've seen on bottles that you may have heard about accessible. How does a trip here actually look? Why would you visit this place? What else is there to do there? Because, you know, after three or four days in wine country, you want to mix things up. You want to do other things. And especially if you're traveling however far to many of these bucket list destinations and really beautiful places. uh, I wanted people to start seeing these wine regions as like tangible places they could visit and have an idea of how it would look realistically and how much time they would need, where they would fly into. So whether they reach out to me or plan it on their own at some later uh, date, they have resources to kind of uh, use to, to make it happen and to make it a real thing instead of just this fantasy place, you know, somewhere in the sky. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a lot of work. Uh, I think when we What's been the bringing- highlight of all of them? Like of all the different ones that you've done, which one has kind of gotten the biggest response out of people? Um, our Piedmont one was really mm-hmm. popular. Uh, we had 50 screens on that one. And we typically have between two and six people on a screen. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that was super that was really exciting. Uh, we had Valentina from Marchese de Barolo join us as our guest, and she was fantastic. 
Uh, she was super prepared. She was super engaging. She came, it was like one thirty in the morning, her time when she joined us and she wow. still was there. And, um, I think that one was, you know, Italy is the top destination in the world. So people are always excited about Italy. And then Barolo and Barbaresco are such important wine regions that people associate with really quality wine. And then to have Marchese de Barolo there as our guest, it was kind of this combination of just really cool things happening all at once. And uh, I think that that was hands down our most popular show. Well, what else would you want to let potential travelers know um, about going to different parts of the U.S. right now, planning for international trips in 2021. What advice would you give, you know, someone that maybe had a trip canceled this year and is looking forward to traveling next year? I would say if you want to travel in 2021, don't wait to book because so many people in 2020 pushed their trips to 2021. And so 2021 is already selling out. If you have a place that you're not certain about and want more information, shoot me an email. I can help. And uh, and I think another important thing to keep in mind, if you are planning to travel internationally, approach 2021 with stay with the with the idea of staying longer in a single destination rather than exploring as many countries as possible now is the time for slower travel and many places if you are working remotely have extended stay offers as well and have remote educational offers for children who are homeschooling or who are uh doing a more customized educational experience hmm. um and for people traveling within so like, the U.S. So the hotel that you're staying at might have like as an amenity, you know, some sort of like educational thing for your kids. Yes. And lots of them are doing wow. that. Uh, because everyone has kind of transitioned to a more remote work um, environment and a more remote educational environment. And lots of hotels uh, are meeting that need where it is. Um, and then as far as the U.S. goes, uh, explore your backyard. Visit the places that you've always wanted to go in the United States. Uh, research before you go. Talk to an advisor. Check the restrictions. Be mindful of what's happening with their cases because some of these remote locations and these smaller towns within the United States don't have the hospital beds or the capability to take in um, an influx of tourists when cases are on the rise. Uh, so just be mindful of the decision. I mean, we all kind of want to get out and need to get out and our feelings are crazy, but be mindful of how your presence will also affect the people uh, where you're visiting. And even if a COVID test isn't required, I think it's worth it to protect yourself and the people who you're interacting with when you choose to travel. Yeah. Swab that innermost part of your brain, stick that swab yeah. all the way up there, get the test done. And, and just, I mean, you, you can travel now and people just don't necessarily realize that you do have international options and, um, that mm -hmm. there's a way to do it safely. And, uh, and I hope that people, I hope that people see that because, yeah. um, 
you know, one in nine people worldwide work in the tourism industry, the hospitality industry, and we have been the hardest hit mm-hmm. across the board. And so by traveling internationally, you're stimulating those economies, you're helping people, you're helping people who rely on that. And I think it's a big part. I mean, travel is going to be such a huge part of global economic recovery. And um, so I hope people feel confident. um, And if they're uncertain, I hope that I'll be able to give them the the information and resources that'll make them feel at ease. And uh, I think it's being smart, right? Like it's, if you're going to take, if you're going to travel, then take the necessary precautions, do what needs to get done to make sure that it's like a safe trip, you know? Yeah. Like you can still go places, but you got to be smart. You got to temper your expectations a little bit. Um, Kristen, let people know where they can find you. I know you said that they can email you, but um, what's kind of like the best way for people to contact you and find out more? So if you want to get in touch with me, uh, one of the easiest ways to do it is on Instagram. My Instagram is Kristen, K-R-I-S-T-E-N from Texas. And I think that's an easy one to remember. Yeah. Uh, my And then Talk, Taste, and Travel now has its own Instagram as well. If people are interested in attending the show, it's Talk, Taste, Travel. And we share updates. We've got our YouTube page now as well. So if you want to see the show, that's a great way there. Awesome. Well, thank you for taking the time to chat. Enjoy the rest of your time in Colorado. Um, Thank you. We'll talk soon. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. That is our show. Thank you so much for listening. Download every episode of By the Glass ever made on Spotify, Apple, Google Play, Um, subscribe wherever you get your audio content and we will see you with another episode next week.